0: Good morning, my friends. Welcome to Gruesome Graves. The show where we discuss the gruesome, strange, and outright insane mysteries, murders, and the missing. I'm your host, Tiffany. Today, we're going to be talking about... Today, we're going to discuss things that aren't usually discussed on Gruesome Graves. But I figured, let's change it up a bit. So, we're going to discuss... Last meal request for death row inmates. So, let's get started. Charles Ray Boland Jr. Cereal killer, who was 53 at the time of his death, chose to go all out for his final meal. He ordered a ribeye steak cooked medium rare, a baked potato that had both butter and sour cream, a salad that included tomato and cucumber, on top, garlic bread, and a bottle of Coca-Cola. For dessert, lemon meringue pie. Next, Earl Forrest. He was involved in a drug dispute that later ended up bringing him 11 years on death row. Before his execution, he chose to eat pasta, steak, tomatoes, cucumbers, a side of fruit, and a piece of chocolate cake. He washed all of that down with a glass of milk. Lawrence Russell Brewer. His last meal actually caused Texas to stop offering last meals. He ordered a huge amount of food, which consisted of two chicken fried steaks, fried okra, a bacon cheeseburger with triple the meat, three fajitas a pound of barbecue, an entire meat lover's pizza, a pint of ice cream, and as a finale, a slab of peanut butter fudge with crushed peanuts. But he didn't eat any of it. He just sat there and was wasted while his fellow inmates could have easily eaten all of that. But no, it was just thrown in the garbage. Now, Ronnie Lee Gardner... Gardner was on death row for murder. He didn't necessarily have the strangest request, but he ordered a lobster surf and turf with apple pie and vanilla ice cream for dessert, followed up with 7-Up. He requested that he get to eat his fancy dish after fasting for 48 hours. He ate all of this while enjoying an episode of Lord of the Rings. Daniel Anthony Lucas, he went big for his final meal. He was on death row for 16 years after murdering a family after a home burglary attempt. He ate steak and cheese calzone, a pizza top with meat, a stuffed portobello mushroom, and a chef's salad that he split to make two salads, with one having honey mustard dressing and the other ranch dressing. To drink, he enjoyed orange juice. Really strange drink to follow up with pizza, but, you know, whatever made him happy. John Wayne Connor. Connor was in prison after a drunken argument took a deadly turn. His meal choices were more or less doubled before his execution. Connor ordered 10 hush puppies, 10 pieces of fried catfish, two triple deluxe hamburgers with bacon added, a sliced raw onion, and two whole pints of vanilla ice cream. It's not clear if he managed to finish it all, but that's a lot for someone to try to consume. Now, Stephen Woods. Last Supper reports that the meal request by Woods, who was executed in 2011, was odd. And he cl- claimed he was a vegetarian. But his order included a large pizza topped with every meat you could think of, fried chicken, garlic bread sticks, chicken fried steak, hamburgers topped with bacon, ice cream, and pretty much all the soft drinks. Seriously, Mountain Dew, Pepsi, root beer, sweet tea, all of those were present. Dennis Bagwell. He had killed members of a family during a home invasion and was executed in 2005. His last meal included a medium rare steak served with A1 sauce, three fried chicken thighs and breast, French fries, two deluxe hamburgers, ribs, onion rings, and a side salad with ranch. But That's not all. He also got a bunch of breakfast foods, including a dozen eggs scrambled with onions, a pound of fried bacon, fried potatoes, peach pie, coffee, and iced tea. Thomas Grasso. Not only did Grasso, who was in prison for strangling an older woman with Christmas lights and later killing an elderly man, had a strange request, but he also had a complaint. He asked for two dozen steamed clams and mussels, barbecue spare ribs, half of a pumpkin pie with whipped cream and strawberries, a double cheeseburger from Burger King, and a room-temperature can of SpaghettiOs. Ew. He got it all, sort of. Grasso complained that the SpaghettiOs weren't legit. His last words were literally, I did not get my SpaghettiOs. I got spaghetti. This is ridiculous. William Bonin. Bonin was a sick individual who killed, raped, and tortured young boys. He asked for a meal that was tough to eat alone. Two pizzas with pepperoni and sausage, three servings of chocolate ice cream, and three six-packs of both Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Yeah, 18 sodas. It's interesting that he chose both brands, though. I would have personally not chosen either one and gone with my... Preferred choice, Dr. Pepper. Ricky Ray Richter. Richter was given a lethal injection in 1992 after two counts of murder. But he made sure his last meal really counted. He ordered steak and fried chicken like many others on death row with a dessert of pecan pie. The part that sticks out the fact that his beverage of choice was cherry Kool-Aid. Now, Peter Curtin. Known as the Vampire of Dusseldorf, Curtin wanted for murder and sexual assault had a pretty common request. A wiener schnitzel, some fried potatoes, and a glass of white wine. So elegant. But what made it extravagant was the fact that he asked for seconds right after he was done and they actually granted his request. Based on his crimes, that was awfully nice of the chef. John Wayne Gacy. You're probably familiar with Gacy's name, but let's talk about his last meal. The serial killer responsible for murdering at least 33 men throughout his life, asked for fried shrimp, a basket full of KFC original recipe, and some French fries to go with it When he was executed in 1980, he also requested a pound of strawberries. Bruno Hopman. If you want a list that's extravagantly weird, look no further than Bruno. Known for kidnapping and murdering the Lindbergh baby in New Jersey, Hopman was executed all the way back in 1936. His final meal reportedly included chicken and french fries accompanied by olives, buttered beans, cherries, celery, and a slice of cake. Allen Lee Tiny Davis. Tiny Davis, who got the nickname even though he weighed in at 350 pounds the day of his execution, wanted fancy seafood. And that's what he got. Not only did he dine on a whole lobster tail, but he also got a half pound of fried shrimp and fried clams. And also asked for a half of a loaf of garlic bread. Robert Alton Harris. Back in 1992, Harris made quite a hefty last meal request a 21-piece bucket of KFC, two large pizzas from Domino's, some jelly beans, ice cream, six cans of Pepsi, and a pack of Camel cigarettes. Sadly, he didn't get Domino's pizza. Instead, he got to eat two tombstone frozen pizzas. Gross. Marion Albert Pruitt. Serial killer, initially said he wanted to share his last meal with another inmate on death row which didn't end up happening but it could be responsible for his very large order he asked for four whoppers from burger king a stuffed crust pizza from pizza Hut, fries and pepsi but he also asked for some vegetables eggplant okra squash all of those to be fried he finished that off with a pecan pie He reportedly wanted to ask for roast duck, but it didn't think the prison would allow for it. So, Eileen Warnos, known as America's first female serial killer, she requested a beverage before taking her last breath in 2002, but only a single cup of black coffee. It may seem that this request was her way of saying, don't even think about killing me before I've had my morning coffee. But Warno's actually had far crazier motives. In fact, she didn't believe she was going anywhere for long as her notorious last words were. I'd just like to say, I'm sailing with a rock and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus, June the 6th. It's safe to say that she hasn't turned up yet. Hmm. Timothy McVeigh The man responsible for the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995, which was the biggest terrorist attack before 9-11. What he ordered was just strange. He ordered two pints of mint chocolate chip ice cream. Now, my question is, did they give him both pints of chocolate chip ice cream at the same time? And did one melt while he was eating the other? Hmm. All we could do is just wonder. Now, he's responsible for hundred and sixty-eight deaths. In my opinion, melted ice cream, he should even be given that. But you know, they have to have a last meal. David Leon Woods, convicted murderer, he spent a whopping twenty two years on death row before he was put to death on May the fourth, two thousand seven. Woods had a fairly simple request for his last meal. He chose standard pizza and an entire birthday cake, I guess, to celebrate an early birthday, which was three months after his execution. Velma Barfield, this sweet God-fearing grandmother, was notorious as the death row granny and after it transpired that the mysterious deaths of almost everyone in her life were part of a lethal string of deliberate poisonings, she was the first woman put to death in the U.S. in 22 years when she was executed by lethal injection in 1982, but not before she was granted one final meal. A cup of tea, a slice of coffee cake, or a fruit scone seems fitting for a grandma's last meal wish, right? No. All she wanted was a pack of cheese doodles and a can of Coke. Not what you would expect, right? Philip Workman. Workman faced execution in 2007 for the murder of a policeman in 1982. Philip's last meal request was a large vegetarian pizza to be given to a random homeless person But prison officials refused to do so, and he ate nothing. Now, surprise, surprise. On the day of his death on May the 9th, homeless shelters in Tennessee received large amounts of vegetarian pizzas from people all over the country. So at least he did get one good deed before his death. Oba Chandler. The judge found Chandler guilty of the murder of a woman and her two daughters in 1989 and sentenced him to death in the year 2011. For Oba's last meal, he ordered two salami sandwiches on white bread with mustard and peanut butter and a grape jelly sandwich on white bread with iced tea and a coffee. Robert Dale Conklin Faced his death sentence in Georgia in 2005, but not before he requested a meal worthy of a five-star restaurant. Conkley clearly had an expensive taste as he requested filet mignon wrapped in bacon, deveined shrimp, sautéed in garlic butter with lemon, baked potato with sour cream, chives, and real bacon bits, corn on the cob, asparagus, and hollandaise sauce. French bread with butter, goat cheese, cantaloupe, vanilla, bean ice cream, and iced tea. That. Wow. What a selection. That's it for today, friends. Make sure to join our Instagram page, Gruesome Graves Podcast, if you haven't already, where I post images and information regarding the topic we discussed today. Join in for our next episode for more gruesome, strange, strange, and outright insane, murders, mysteries, and the missing. Good night. Hello, my fellow crypt keepers. Welcome to Gruesome Graves, the show where we discuss the gruesome, strange, and outright insane, mysteries, murders, and the missing. I'm your host, Tiffany. Today, we're going to talk about Nanny Doss. Nanny looked like any other sweet, friendly, happy neighbor, friend, wife, and mother, but she was far from that. Nanny was actually a cold-blooded murderer who tried to kill her entire family. We'll discuss her children, husbands, grandchildren, all of those today, who she unfortunately killed. Nanny was born in Blue Mountain, Alabama, as Nancy Hazel to James and Lou Hazel. Nanny was one of five children. She had one brother and three sisters. Her mother was married to James, the father of her children. Nanny and her mother both hated James. James was a strict, often controlling father and husband with a nasty streak. It's believed that Nanny was conceived when James forced himself onto Lou. Lou Nanny's mother married James in 1905. Nanny had a very unhappy childhood. She was a poor student who never learned to read well. Her education was erratic because her father forced all of his children to work in the family farm instead of attending school. When she was around seven years old, the family was taking a train to visit relatives in southern Alabama when the train stopped suddenly causing Nanny to hit her head on a metal bar on the seat in front of her. For years, she suffered from headaches, blackouts, depression. She blamed all of these and her mental instability on that accident. During her childhood, her favorite hobby was reading her mother's romance magazines and dreaming of her own romantic future. Later, her favorite part was the Lonely Hearts column. The Hazel sisters' teenage years were restricted by their father. He wouldn't allow them to wear makeup or any attractive clothing. He was trying to prevent them from being molested by men, which happened on several occasions. He also forbid them to go to dances and other social events for the same reasons. Nanny was first married at age 16 to Charles Braggs. They had met at the linen thread factory where they both worked. And her father's approval, they married after dating just four short months. Charles was the only son to an unwed mother who insisted on living with Charles' and nanny. Charles's mother became controlling and wouldn't allow nanny's mother to stay in the home with them on several occasions. The marriage produced four daughters over four years under a lot of stress nanny started drinking and her casual smoking habit became very heavy the marriage was an unhappy one and both suspected each other of cheating all the time charles would often disappear for days in early 1927 they lost their two middle daughters to suspected food poisoning suspecting she had killed them charles fled from her taking eldest daughter melvina with him and left newborn Florine behind. During Charles' time away, his mother had died and Nanny took a job in a cotton mill to support Florina and herself. When Charles returned with Melvina and her child in September of 1928, Nanny and Charles soon divorced and she returned to her mother's home taking her two daughters with her. He always maintained that he left her because he was frightened of her. Living and working in Anniston after the split with Charles, Nanny soothed her loneliness by reading the True Romance and, and other such reading matter. She also resumed poring over the Lonely Hearts column and wrote to men advertising there. Someone that interested her was that of Robert Frank Harrelson, a 23-year-old factory worker from Jacksonville. He sent her romantic poetry and she sent him a cake. They met and married in 1929 when she was 24, two years after her divorce from Charles. They lived together in Jacksonville, Alabama with Doss's two surviving daughters. After a few months, she discovered that he was an alcoholic and had a criminal record for assault. Despite this, the marriage lasted for 16 long years. Now, Melvina... Nanny's oldest daughter, gave birth to Robert Lee Hayes in 1943. Nanny came to help with delivery, and after a painful few hours, a baby boy was born. But Robert soon died after. Melvina, exhausted from labor and groggy from the ether, thought she saw Doll stick a hat pin in the baby's head. And later, she told her sister, Mosey and Florine. They told her how Nanny had said the baby was dead and they noticed that she was, in fact, holding a pen in her hand. However, the doctors could not come up with an explanation for the death of baby Robert. After this, Melvina and Mosey drifted apart, and Melvina began to date a soldier. Of course, Nanny disapproved of him. While Melvina was visiting her father after a pretty nasty fight with her mother, her son Robert died mysteriously under grandmother Nanny's care on July the 7th, 1945. The cause of death was diagnosed as asphyxia from unknown causes. And two months later, she collected the $500 life insurance policy that she had taken out on baby Robert. In 1945, Japan surrendered to the Allied powers and at the end of World War II. And Frank, Harrelson, Nanny's second husband, was one of many people who celebrated. After an evening of super heavy drinking, he raped Nanny. The following day, as she was tending her flower garden, Doss discovered Harrelson's moonshine jar buried in the ground. The rape, that was the last straw. She took the jar and topped it off with rat poison. Frank died a painful death that same afternoon. Nanny then met her third husband while she was traveling in Lexington, North Carolina. He was Arlie Lanning, and she married him within three days of meeting him through another Lonely Hearts column. Lanny was in many ways like Harrelson, Nanny's last husband. He was an alcoholic and a womanizer. However, in this marriage, it was Nanny who often disappeared for months on end. When she was at home, she would play a doting housewife, and when her husband died of what was said to be heart failure, the whole town turned up to his funeral to support Nanny. Afterwards, the house the couple lived in burned to the ground. It had been left to Lanning's sister, and had it survived, it would have gone to her. But the home insurance money went to Nanny, and she quickly banked it. She soon left North Carolina, but only after Lanning's elderly mother had died in her sleep. She ended up at her sister Dovey's house. Dovey was bedridden, and soon after Nanny's arrival, she was dead, too. Hmm. Coincidence? On searching for husband number four, Nanny had joined the Diamond Circle Club, looking for another husband, of course. She met Robert L. Morton of Emporia, Kansas. While he did not have a drinking problem as Nanny's last few husbands, he was, in fact, a womanizer. Before she could poison him, she ended up poisoning her mother on January 1953 when she came to live with them. Richard Morton met his death just three months after Nanny's mother's death. Something is going on here. Now, let's go to her fifth marriage. Nanny then met and married Samuel Doss of Tulsa, Oklahoma, in June of 1953. A clear